Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to begin the reading in verse 9 down through 13, and we'll be looking at verses 10 and 11 here this morning. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, this morning as we open up the Word of God, we need Your help. God, is, as people, we are inherently selfish, self-centered people. And God, even when we come to the Word of God, we are at times prone to hear what we want to hear and tune out that which we really don't care to hear. And God, would you help us this morning to have ears to hear what we need to hear from you. Obviously not an audible voice that we are expecting, but God as the Spirit of God takes His truth and prompts us, God, may we have pliable hearts to bend to Your truth, to Your Word, to Your will. God, may You be honored and pleased with the preaching of the Word of God this morning. May we continue, even in this time, to worship You. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me do a quick review from last week, and we'll jump into the portion of this text that we want to address this morning. As I reminded you last week, in this prayer, Jesus is not prescribing a place or a position for prayer. He is giving us a pattern for prayer. Not necessarily a prayer to pray, but a pattern, a model by which we can mold our praying. Jesus said, pray then like this. He's giving us an example. And last week we noted the very important words, our Father. That we come to Him as our children, as believers in Jesus Christ, and we address Him as our Father, who is a loving, gracious, merciful Father, who is more than willing to meet our needs. And we'll look a little bit more at that even this morning. Our Father who is in heaven… And Jesus is not reminding us of the place where God resides, although God is indeed everywhere, but He's reminding us of the power and the authority and the resources of our Father. He has all the authority, power, and resources of heaven to meet our needs. And then we are asking that His name be honored. 
That we acknowledge the holy, reverent name of God. And as I reminded you last week, when it says His name, it's the substance of His character. It's all that He is. That we want God's name to be revered and reflected in our lives. And then that His kingdom will come. That includes evangelistic praying. God, I pray that people would be saved and that we're praying for specific people and that God would use us to give the gospel to those folks that they might come to Christ. It is a desire for the complete rule and reign of Christ in your heart, and it is a desire that Jesus would quickly come and set up His kingdom here on this earth, which He will indeed do one day. So, as we last week realized that in Luke 11, one of His disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. They were listening to Jesus pray. And they said, Jesus, we want to pray like that. May we have that spirit this morning as we continue to learn from Jesus and, in essence, ask Him to teach us how to pray. And the first point I want us to notice this morning is that we need to ask that God's will be accomplished. Your will be done. Now, when we come to God's will, and particularly this prayer, We need to realize that there is an overarching, sovereign will of God. God's decrees, if you will. Those are purposes that He has that will always, always be accomplished. But there is a moral will of God. The commands of God, if you will, that are not always accomplished in the hearts of people. God tells us in 2 Peter 3.9 that He desires that all people be saved and come to repentance. That's the heart of God. That's not always accomplished. It is God's desire that we walk as believers in the Spirit, that we Don't lie, that no corrupt communication comes out of our mouth, that we are kind and forgiving people, and that is not always accomplished. And so when we think of God's moral will, we are praying, God, we are asking that your will be done in my life on this earth as it is in heaven. So in this particular instance, I believe it's very clear that we're talking about God's moral will will, His commands, if you will. Now, when we come to the subject of God's will, honestly, folks, I think there's some goofy thinking that goes on in the hearts and lives of believers sometimes. And it's not nearly as complicated, I believe, as we want to make it sometimes. You know, I think sometimes we view the will of God or God in connection to His will almost as the divine Easter bunny, And that His will is out there somewhere, and we're searching for it, we're looking for it, and it's as though God says, you're getting a little warmer, you're getting a little warmer, ah, no, you're getting cold. And it's almost like this this game, if you will, and that is just not biblical. I think sometimes it's like the shell game. 
That, that God has a will and we just have to, to kind of follow the shell and see if we can find under which shell it really is. Or somehow that it's discovered through some traumatic experience or series of circumstances in our lives. Or maybe we even have resorted to believing this. That if I surrender to God's will, if I do what God wants me to do, my life is going to be miserable. The very thing that I hate and despise, God's going to make me do that, and for the rest of my life, it's just going to be a horrid experience. If you believe that, you do not understand the God of the Bible, because that is not God's character. That is not what involves God's will. I think, as I mentioned a moment ago, we make this whole subject far more complicated than we need to. You know, if we will simply do what we know to do, if we will open up the Word of God, see God's revealed will in our hearts and lives, and attempt to do that by God's grace and by the enabling of the Spirit of God every day, those things that are a little bit cloudy, they become much more clear as we are just walking with God day by day by day. You know, let's notice some things about the fact of God's will, that God does indeed have a will. Ephesians five seventeen and 18, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What is God's will for every single believer in Jesus Christ? It is that we be filled with the Spirit, that we be controlled by the Spirit of God. And as we've talked about in times past, that is simply what I just stated a moment ago. It's diving into the Word of God, understanding what God's truth is, obeying that truth, by the power of the Spirit, that is walking in the Spirit. It's nothing mystical or magical. It's just simply walking in obedience to the truth of God's Word. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, for this is the will of God. Unmistakable. You know, it's just stated by the Apostle Paul, your sanctification, part of you being set apart from sin unto God that you abstain from sexual immorality. Clear, plain, simple. In every facet, in every form, God wants us to be abstaining from anything related to sexual immorality. That is God's will. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances. We choke on that one just a little bit, don't we? In all circumstances, not necessarily for the circumstance, but in the circumstance that you have a relationship with God, you can go to God, He is there to help you, etc., that we can give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will is that in all circumstances we be thankful. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 5. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify. 
And this is in the context of the churches of Macedonia. That would be Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. They were giving to the needs of believers in Jerusalem. They were gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. It is God's will that we be submissive to Him, and then that we freely and willingly serve other people. That is God's will. First John 2 and verse 17, and the world is passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And this is really a dichotomy between believers and unbelievers. Those who as believers are seeking after God as opposed to an unbeliever who is just latched on to the fleeting things of this world, the believer who is seeking the heart of God, the will of God, will abide forever. So, it is clear, it's explicit in Scripture and some very, very specific particular things that God indeed has a will for every single believer in Jesus Christ. The nature of God's will We've already talked about the fact that that God is not an ogre in heaven looking to drop the hammer on us uh, as He will. So what's the nature of God's will? Romans 12 and verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. This is a familiar passage to us, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. The outward change, the transformation that is discussed in this text is the result of inward change, of God transforming us in an inward way. Our mind is renewed. It's a mind that is saturated by the truth of God's Word. It's refreshed. It's revitalized. It's strengthened by the truth of God's Word. And then when we are walking in the Spirit, when we are saturated with God's truth, we're able to test what God's will is and figure it out, discern it. It's the idea that our thinking is in line with God's Word. Our desires are in line with God's Word. And when that is true, then God's will We can discern it. Yes, that is good. That is right. No, that is not. And Paul goes on to say that God's will is good. It's beneficial in every way. It's acceptable. It's well-pleasing to God. He's holy. He's pure. And that aligns with His will. And it is perfect. It is complete. God's will is good. It's acceptable, and it's perfect. You know, just as a good parent desires good, right things for their children, our Father has a will for us 
that is good and acceptable and perfect. It's not something to run from. It's something to run to. It's not something to shun. It's something to embrace. And when you're in the middle of God's will, there is no better place in all the world to be, wherever that is, than right in the middle of God's will. Now, returning back to Matthew chapter 6. The prayer request is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is God's will accomplished in heaven? And I think we could say it this way, it's fulfilled completely, joyfully, and immediately by all in heaven. That would include saints in heaven, angels in heaven. They are fulfilling completely, joyfully, immediately God's will in heaven. And just as it is being done in that fashion, we are praying, God, I pray that it would be done exactly like that in my own heart, in our church, on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, I think we have to ask ourselves this morning, is there a desire in your heart for this? Do you truly desire God's will? As believers, we should have an ever-growing desire to do what God wants us to do, to please Him. And that really brings us to our next point this morning, desiring and knowing God's will. And there is no better example in Scripture than Jesus Christ Himself. Let's look at several passages of what Jesus said about His desire to do God's will. John 4 and verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food, He's not talking about literal food there, but we could say it this way, what I really live for. What I really live for is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. That was the heart of our Lord and Savior. John 5 and verse 30, I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. John six thirty eight, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who who sent me. And then, of course, just hours before he was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark 14 and verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. That is the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, God, if there's another way, please, God, let this wrath from you that is about to be unleashed on me on the cross, let it pass. Can we do this another way? But if not, I submit to you. I will do what you want. Is that your heart this morning? Is that my heart? And folks, it needs to be, it desperately needs to be that we follow the example of our Lord and Savior and simply saying, God, your will be done in my life. And really, I think for us as believers, our primary concern is not trying to 
to find something that seems elusive, but to do that which we already know. God, may your will be accomplished in my heart. So what's the requirement of God's will? And really, we've kind of struck at it all, all through all of these points this morning, but let's just name it specifically. What's the requirement? It is submission. It's submission. It's asking God to accomplish His will in my life, whatever that may be. It's asking God to bend my will into conformity with His will. That's what we are asking God to do. God, whatever your will is for my life, I am asking that it be accomplished. And I'm asking God not to, I'm not praying for you to change your mind, but God, would you change my heart? Would you bend me into conformity with what your will is? Now, folks, this is not fatalistic praying. It's not, okay, God, you're going to do whatever you're going to do, so just might as well get it done. And sometimes that can be accompanied with a bitter spirit. That's not what this is. But it is truly delighting in knowing what God does, He does best, and that I simply need to bend my thinking, my will, my desires to be into conformity with God. And this, folks, is a prayer of trust. It's a prayer of trust. When you know God, when you know your heavenly Father, you know that He wants what is best for you. Now, let's be honest, though. Is that sometimes difficult for you and me? Absolutely it is. Does sometimes that involve pain and disease and heartache and disappointment and frustration? It does. But God has something that He's wanting to work out in my life and in your life. And we have to be okay with that, knowing that we're trusting our Heavenly Father to do what is right, to do what is best for us. Let's try to step through this just for a moment. You know, we often pray, and I think it's a right prayer, that when someone is sick, God, I pray that you would heal them. But you know what I always try to pray is, God, would you heal them if it be your will? When I'm standing beside someone in someone's bed in the hospital and I'm praying with them, God, I pray if it be your will that you would heal them. Now, I have at times had people grab my hand and squeeze tight and say, Pastor, would you please pray that God would just take me to heaven? I remember the first time that happened. It really just kind of took me back. I was like, I was fairly early in ministry, and I'm like, um, I don't know what to pray here, you know. But I've learned that we just pray, God, if it be your will. I pray that it would be accomplished in this person's life. Now, a little bit different aspect. You know, it is God's will. Let's just go back to our study in Ephesians. If we can reflect back to Ephesians chapter 4 for just a minute. You know, and if mentally you can work through that text where it says that we are 
not to lie. We are to tell the truth. We are not to have corrupt communication uh, coming out of our mouth. We are not to steal. We are to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Now, that's God's will, folks. And we need to pray that God's will would be accomplished in my life. Now, that sounds pretty easy, that sounds pretty simple, until the rubber meets the road. And we have that incorrigible, difficult boss, that really difficult coworker, that neighbor that just drives me nuts. God, would you help me be kind? God, would you help me be forgiving? God, help me to love this person. That's praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where the rubber meets the road. That we are asking that God work in us, that He bend us according to Him, and that we are being more and more and more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And really, if I can say it this way, it boils down to a couple of choices. And it's this. Your will, speaking of God, be done. God, your will be done. Or my will be done. And we know the second one isn't biblical. And so we simply need to ask, God, I pray your will be done. Well, we have one other request that we're going to look at here this morning, and that is simply this. Not only that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but He give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. This is not a demand. This is not, God, give me. It is a request. God, I'm asking And it entails us needing to admit our need. Needing to admit our need. You don't have to raise your hand this morning, okay? But how many of you find it difficult to ask for help? Just answer that in your own mind. You know, I am one that finds it difficult. You know, because in my mind, I can figure this out. I can get this done, even if it involves moving something big or large or whatever, you know, rather than just calling up somebody and saying, hey, could you come give me a hand? You know, I'm figuring out 16 different ways that I can get this thing done. And some of us have difficulties just admitting I need help. You know, the proverbial uh, old adage, you know, the, the guys don't stop and ask for directions, You know, sometimes that's just true. You know, you you say, I'll figure this thing out. And I suppose in some earthly um, temporal areas, that's okay. But folks, we have got to readily admit to God, I need help. I can't do this. I think sometimes some of us operate this way, that we kind of scoot through life, and we really are okay on our own. And we, and really our last resort, if it really gets bad, is to cry out to God and say, God, I need your help. Where really every single day we should wake up and say, God, I can't do anything without you. 
God, I can't get up, I can't go out, I can't go to work, I can't go to school, I can't do whatever it is the way I need to do it without your help. God, I desperately, desperately need you. And as the song we sang this morning, whether the the seas are calm or whether the wind is blowing ferociously on the sea of life, we need God's help each and every day. Give requesting bread. And really, this is just not food, although it would include food, but it would be any daily needs that we have of any sort, of any type. And as insignificant as they may seem, they are important to God. Now, I think we have to be quick to point out, this is not God in a genie bottle and saying, give me what I want. It's asking God to give us what we need. Now, I think we find it very difficult to think in terms of daily food. Now, in first century culture, often, very often, the pay was daily. If you didn't have a job, or your employer did not pay you, you might go hungry. We don't connect with that very well. I mean, there may be some in here that you're struggling in some fashion financially. But for most of us, we did not awaken this morning wondering, what in the world am I going to eat today? For most of us in this room, if not all of us, there is something that we can eat. Maybe not what we want, but there's something that we can eat. So we have a hard time connecting with this, but there are people all over the planet that do not enjoy such privileges. And we simply need to say with a heart that is dependent upon God, God, I need you today. And we could list any number of infinite things that are part of any given day of things that we need that we can go to God and we can ask Him. It is dependence upon God to provide for the necessities of our life. And you know, we're not praying to inform God about our needs. God already knows. We're not saying, God, hey, I'm not sure if you knew this, but... God already knows. We're not praying to inform Him, but we're praying in utter dependence upon Him. God, I am asking that You meet this specific need today. I was chatting with someone just before the service, listing a number of challenges that they have had this week. We all have challenges And God is not unconcerned with your automobile that's on the fritz or an appliance or you just name it, your air conditioning or whatever it may be, that we ask God, God, I need your help to meet this particular need. And not only do we acknowledge our need, but we need to acknowledge God as the one, the one who can provide for our needs. You know, God will often use people by His grace 
to provide for our needs. But God is the one who provides for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. As you sit here this morning, what is a need in your life? Maybe for some of you, it's a pretty lengthy list of legitimate, real needs and concerns in your heart this morning. Can I remind you? You have a heavenly Father as a believer in Jesus Christ who loves you, who cares for you. He says, cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you. And he is gracious, he is merciful, and he invites you to come and ask him in dependence and saying, God, if it be your will, I pray that you would supply. And he has obligated himself, God as your father has obligated himself to meet your needs. Again, I underscore not all your wants, but to meet your needs. And we need to go to Him. So, Jesus is teaching us some further things about prayer. And He's saying, as you pray, you need to pray, Oh God, I pray that Your will will be accomplished in my life, on this earth, just like it is in heaven. And oh God, I am asking you this day to meet a very, very specific need. Now let me encourage you with this. This isn't in the text, but I think this is good practical uh, counsel, if you will. That when God does meet a need, be quick to thank Him. And as some of you do, you have different means by which you kind of keep record of that. Maybe you just write it down. Maybe you have a different way of just looking back and saying, wow, God met this need, and God met this need, and God met this, this need. And that builds a thankful heart, and it also does what? It builds faith. It builds trust in our God as we look back and say, look, God, you did it here and you did it here and you did it here and God, I'm asking you to do it again and I believe that you will do it again. And may God help us to pray in this way. Father, this morning as we look at this familiar text, God, I pray that we have not in any way approached it in our own spirit as just kind of a yawn, a ho-hum, been there, done that before. But Lord, I pray that in a new and fresh way, you would teach us how to pray. God, please keep us from just rote prayers, things that just roll out of our mouth. But Lord, from a heart of sincerity, that we would approach you as our Father. We would sincerely ask that your name be honored, that your kingdom would be ever-expanding on this earth in the hearts and lives of people.
that your will will be accomplished and that you would meet our daily needs. God, I pray that we would form and model our prayer as Jesus teaches us to pray. And I ask this in the wonderful and precious name of our Savior. Amen.